And we are live! Episode 114, a two-week layoff, no MMA, my first two weeks off since I started the Business and Buckets podcast, and uh, it was a good two weeks, got to go to Montana, the 406, see some family and friends for Christmas, the holiday, uh, come back to um, Phoenix in the desert for the new year. Just really trying to get on track at this this podcast rebranded. Looking to launch that towards the end of this month. Lots of moving parts. I forgot how much is entailed there. And uh, I want to say I'm a perfectionist, but I like I like my ish to be done right, and that takes some time. I'd rather have it done right than just just throw it out there for you guys. But also, man, um, you know, I've been doing jujitsu, hitting the weights. Got a nice little black guy, took an elbow in jiu-jitsu, trying to get through this guy's guard, and he kind of just threw his elbow up and caught me pretty nice. Uh, nothing crazy, just some swelling at the black guy, which has been fun in my day job, doing Zoom meetings uh, with big companies uh, in sales and having to uh, make a joke about my black guy. I feel like it's intimidating, but uh, it is what it is. But glad to be back. Good two weeks off. Like I said, first two weeks off since I started the podcast. I wanted to use some of the time to, to focus on the steps to the rebrand. Important time of the year for my for my day job as well. End of the fiscal year at work. So lots of moving parts. But I'm excited to talk MMA because we got fights back this Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Um, but before we talk MMA... There's a few things that had happened, including the Fury Pro Grappling event, uh, Bellator versus Risen that we haven't talked about. So, so we'll quickly talk about those. But before we talk sports, before we talk MMA, let's talk the one and only sponsor here at Business at Buckets, and that is Fueled Supplements. So if it's not broken, why fix it? That's the inspiration behind Fueled Supplements' newest product, Creatine Monohydrate. So why do you guys want to take creatine? Well, creatine monohydrate is one of the most well-researched and effective natural supplements available for increasing muscle performance. Creatine enhances performance by supplying a pool of ATP, which acts as the muscle tissue's primary energy source for fuel during explosive bursts of energy, power, and strength. You get 100 servings. It's non-GMO, gluten-free, safe, and effective. You know the deal. Use your code BUCKETS for 15% off at fueledsupplements.com. Once again, promotion code BUCKETS, B-U-C-K-E-T-S. Now, um, I'm rocking some of my buddy's little construction merch, Hammer Strength Construction. He's got the logo on the side. He's he's, uh, my best friend from Montana that built this beautiful podcast table for me. And I just gave him a vision. He made it happen. So shout out Dakota, shout out Hammer Strength Construction, and uh, let's just jump right into it because there's a lot of crazy-ish that's happened when it comes to the MMA world to end the year and start the new year. I still can't quite come to terms that it is 2023. I feel like we're living in the future somewhat, Um, but some good and bad things have happened. First, we are going to kick it off with some fight news. A lot of matches in the few weeks that I've been out. We have Marcin Tibera taking on Blagoy Ivanov February 4th. 
that's going to be a great matchup for these guys to kind of battle for the top 15 ranking spots. Uh, two guys that have fought damn near everyone in the division. Now they get to fight each other. We have J.J. Aldrich taking on Ariane Lipsky. Julian Marquez, who was supposed to fight, uh, but Darren Wind uh, pulled out due to injury. So he is taking on Marc-Andre Baralt. That should be a very good matchup as well. Not such exciting news. We have Kai Kara France getting injured. He pulls out of his fight against Alex Perez, the big UFC event in Perth, Australia. Well, good news, Manel Cop, he's a gamer. We're getting Alex Perez, Manel Cop, a huge opportunity for the star boy. In Bantamweight, a major, major fight with potential, you know, winner is in for the Bantamweight Championship t- uh, um, situation. So title implement, implement, implications on the line. We got Marlon Vera, Corey Sandhagen, February 18th. I can't wait for this one. Um, uh, real well-rounded strikers. And uh, it's really just going to be interesting to see Cheeto's durability and slow starting versus the unorthodox style of Corey Sandhagen. Who's going to win? We'll talk about that once I get closer to the event. We have Michelle Pieta and Sean Brady, March 25th. Um, Sean Brady's rebound fight after uh, a shellacking from Bilal Muhammad. And uh, Michelle Pieta is a crazy man. That should be a fun one stylistically. We have the Dana White Contender Series alum, Blake Builder, taking on Shane Young in Perth for UFC 284. Blake Builder, uh, a wrestling background, hardworking son of a gun. He's my age, so he's not a spring chicken. Looking to make a stamp in the UFC. Excited to see him in his UFC debut. We have Derek Brunson and Dricus Duplessis on March 5th for UFC 285. Dricus continuing to move up the rankings. He gets Blonde Brunson. That's going to be a banger. We also have... Tatsuro Tyra, the young stud, taking on Jesus Aguilar. We got to tune into whatever Tatsuro is doing. I can't wait to see his career continue to develop. We have Jeff Neal out of the fight against Shavat Rakonimov. That is going to be rebooked for March, though. Um, Jeff Neal with an injury. Shav- Shavkat struggling to find opponents. There was rumor maybe him and Kamzat Chemaev, which would be... Phenomenal, but that's not happening. This is rebooked for March. Joe Selecki taking on Benoit St. Denis. Two guys up and down careers really trying to make it happen right now in their primes. Big time implications there. Uh, Rob Font and Adrian Yanez, April 8th. Rob Font on a slide looking to get back on track. Adrian Yanez, a young up and comer. That one's going to be box office. We have... The veteran Rafael Asuncao taking on Kyler Phillips, the MMA local, the MMA lab local here in Phoenix. It'll be exciting to see him. We haven't seen him for some time. And Asuncao definitely looks to have revitalized his career. So should be should be a fun one. Huge measuring stick stick for Kyler. The very popular Jack Della Madalena getting his name on the card in Perth at UFC 284 against a guy that is all game, Randy Brown. That should be 
uh, must-see TV. And one of the fighters that I think doesn't get a lot of credit that I've, I've really been waiting and itching for him to get a fight booked, Garam Kutitaladze was booked against Tiago Moises. We talked about that right before the holidays. He is out of the fight, UFC 283. So looking, uh, Moises looking for a new opponent. Bummer news. Really want to see him and Moises back in the octagon. On the women's side of things, we have Jennifer Maya and Casey O'Neill for UFC 286. Huge fight back from the knee injury for Casey O'Neill. King Casey looking to move up the ranks against a very, very tough Jennifer Maya. Let's see if she's ready for that. We have Cynthia Cavillo taking on Lupita Godinez on UFC 286. Veteran versus up-and-comer. And then Leron Murphy, Nathaniel Wood, UFC 286. So these cards, like Q1 of this year, really getting ironed out. We have Tatiana Suarez back. She's taking on Montana De La Rosa. That'll be great to see. She's talking about flirting with two weights. And then we have Daniel Rodriguez, Gunnar Nelson. That was just booked today on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon for UFC 286. We have Bo Nickel and Jamie Pickett rebooked for UFC 285. The hype, all the hype around the wrestling legend Bo Nickel. And then Charles Oliveira has taken some time off, but he plans to return in March. Rumors are it could potentially be against Benil Dariush. That's the fight that makes sense. Benil deserves his flowers, deserves that level of opponent, but it seems like Charles Oliveira may be skeptical and may want something else. But I hope that's the fight to make. Stylistically, that's a ton of fun, and we'll really, really get to see what Benil is all about. And, he, you know, he's getting up there past his prime. He needs to get an opportunity while he's in his prime. He's kind of getting the Tony Ferguson treatment. And then for the main event this weekend, Kevin Gastelum with staph infection. He is out. Sean Strickland steps in for a fight night this weekend. That does, in fact, make it back-to-back Sean Strickland fight night headliners. If you can't get enough of Sean Strickland, he's going to be all up in your face. I couldn't believe it. Um, uh, it'll be interesting to see the shape he's in and, and how he does making weight. It is a catch weight bout. Um, but he will be taking on the up and coming, um, uh, Nassor Dean Amavov bummed, really wanted to see Kelvin Gastelum back in the octagon, but it is what it is. Brad Tavares is out against RoboCop Gregory Rodriguez. So they're looking uh, to get him a new opponent for UFC 283 in Rio de Janeiro. Um, I thought stylistically that was a perfect fight for Robocop. I know he's a gamer. I'm sure they'll find something for him on short notice, but bummed to see that. Would have loved to see that matchup. And the bantamweight championship situation gets a little bit more more murkier as it has been relayed that it was going to be Aljo and Henry Cejudo and then Sean O'Malley getting the winner of that fight. Well, Aljo announced on his podcast, uh, the weekly scraps, that he has a torn bicep and he is not willing to fight in March, you know, recovering from that um, torn bicep against a very good and very well-accoladed Triple C Henry Cejudo. So Sean O'Malley says he wants that smoke. I don't understand why that would be such a big deal. If you're going to have him fight the winner, just put him in there. Get him in there. We can see if Henry Cejudo 
Is it the level of competition he was before all this time off? And uh, another step up for the Sugar Show. I want to look at this. How long has uh, Triple C been out? I mean, it's been a minute. If, if you, you know, he's 35, so he's not quite past his prime. He's still in his, his golden years, so to speak, for fighters. It's like, can you just come back in and be at the level of competition that you were? Because he was one of the best. He beat TJ Dillashaw. He beat Mighty Mouse. I mean, come on now. Those, those are the best of the best. He has not fought since he fought Dominic Cruz in May of 2022. So we're talking about three years being off. Before that, he beat Dominic Cruz, Marlon Marias, TJ Dillashaw, Demetrius Johnson, and Sergio Pettis. Will be interesting. Hopefully that happens. If that happens, I got to see the Sugar Show. Try to get floor seats because that would be in the March event in Las Vegas. And there's rumors that John Jones will potentially be fighting on that card as well. So uh, might have to you know pay a pretty dollar, but I could not miss that event. The UFC has released Duran Win. He fell down the stairs, had a concussion. I believe it, if I remember right, the day before his fight. Wakes up the next day, is cut from the UFC. <laughs> brutal, brutal couple days, 48 hours for Darren Wynn. Um, a guy that had a wrestling background, you know, shorter in stature, tough and, and, and gritty as nails. I hate to see that. that that's a, a brutal couple days at the office. And, you know, blessings and prayers up to Darren Wynn that he, he gets on his feet and I think there's enough potential and skill there that he could fight in other promotions and potentially make some more bread anyways. Francisco Trinaldo, also no longer on the UFC roster. This is a guy that is fighting at a very high level, has fought some very good opponents, and I'm sure he will have interest with other promotions. A little bit of a shocker to see Trinaldo no longer on the UFC roster. And I, I don't know if this is necessarily shocking by the way that Khabib had retired, but officially, Khabib is retiring from coaching, so he will no longer be coaching any of his fighters, running his camp. He's not even going to corner Islam Makachev for his fight against Alexander Volkanovsky. So a big hit for the Dagestanis, Eagles MMA, that, that whole um, really family and, and, and fight club, so to speak, that's been dominating the UFC. Uh, but he, you know, to be a coach in the MMA, it's, it's like being a football coach. You're not having a lot of time with your family. You're more invested in these these people because if you want to do a good job and and do the job you're telling your fighters that you will provide to them as a coach, it, it's, it's a lot of hours in the day. Uh, it's scheme and it's game planning, it's nutrition, it's preparedness, it's recovery. You're helping these fighters with every little instance, and he was involved with so many fighters. I went to Tacoma, Washington, watched a Bellator event. He was coaching um, Umar there. You have Usman. You have the whole fucking family. So outside of just his family, then he has the, the whole grip of fighters that he, he's helping coach. And um, I'm sure he just wants to be able to take time to himself and, and to his family. And I don't know if you can necessarily, uh, you know, shade him for that. But um, he will no longer be doing that, at least in the, in the near term. And then really sad news, UFC legend, one of the most iconic moments and one of the moments known for pole vaulting the UFC to where it is today, uh, Stefan Bonner dies at 45 years old. Um, that is just way too young. Um, 
again, you can't say enough about what he's done for the sport. And when he fought Forrest Griffin was into my early years of watching UFC and becoming a fan. And that just really showed, I think, a lot of fighters and a lot of fans of what the sport can be, where it can go, and, and the excitement it can bring. And, and it, you just hate seeing stuff like that. We've had a lot of a tough news in sports, DeMar Hamlin, what happened in the NFL. And for me, it's like the, the DeMar Hamlin such a big situation because it was in the NFL, one of the biggest stages of all sports. But that cardiac arrest situation happens in sports all the time. I saw some things go viral of it happening in lots of other sports that doesn't get talked about enough. Uh, but you hate to see it, especially a legend in the sports. Prayers to the Bonner family, friends. And uh, thank you for everything that you provided to the UFC and fight fans and just the sport in general. Uh, because without him, I don't, I don't know where it would be and if it would be where it is today. So again, prayers to Bonner and family. And another just freaking tough take for the UFC, maybe not for most of you guys tuning in or, or most UFC fans today, but Damar Ismugulov is one of the most pure, well-rounded combat athletes I've seen in the best division, in my, in my opinion, in lightweight. Retires from UFC due to health issues. And the guy that's in his prime, you know, he obviously just took a tough L against a very good Armin Tessarian who wrestled him. And, you know, I've talked about this, but even the wrestling defense and ability that Demir had shown, high fucking level, man. And I just hate seeing these guys in, in the best years at the highest performance um, years of their lives having issues like this and, and being taken out of the limelight, taken out of their opportunity. Because, you know, you learn all the work that's been that gets put into that. One thing I've really learned, maybe not learned, but have been reminded of, there's difference when you're a high school kid, you're playing sports, you get beat up, you get banged up. You know, I did high school wrestling, one of the hardest things that I've ever done I will definitely enroll my kids into wrestling and, and recommend anyone to get into a grappling sport where you learn the ability of human limits. Without wrestling, I don't know if I'd be as good of a salesperson today, as good as a you know potential partner, as good as a potential father, as good as just a, a family member, anything that I am in life, because I learned how to do things that I did not think is possible. And it has really strengthened my mind and ability to just push, pursue things, have goals. And I've been reminded in jujitsu just what, what it does take at a high level. You know, I'm rolling jujitsu. I'm not in the shape that a lot of these fighters are. I don't work out as much as they do. You know, their job is to work out. If I was just a performance athlete, I would, I would have a little bit more time. I have other priorities as well. And I've made health a, a priority as I'm 30 years old. I want to be able to be a father that can, you know, do the things that I like to do as a kid, go snowboarding, go hiking, go backpacking, horseback riding, do all the things. I don't want to be in my 40s, have a kid and not be able to do any of those things with my son, daughter, whatever it is in the future. And the ability to go into jujitsu and even for 30 minutes, three minutes, five minutes, have to grapple at a high, high level and be reminded of what the cardio output is and what it takes to be able to put that out and push towards the limits of, of where I've been for a long time. Um, I'm in software sales. I stare at screens. I work at a desk. And there's just a lot of different things that I've had to adapt to to be in the position that I want to be in. Um, I don't have a high metabolism and, and could just eat like shit and, and not move and be fine. 
I really have to go above and beyond to be in the shape that I want to be in. And going to jujitsu and, and being reminded like, damn, dude, you know, we have an hour live just runs where you'll, you'll roll with someone. If they, they submit you, mount you, or do certain things, you move on. But you could be doing in an hour 40 minutes of live rolling, and I am nowhere near the cardio shape I need to be in. I feel it in my body trying to adjust. I'm also trying to lift weights and do jujitsu daily. I am sore as hell right now. I have a black eye. I have bruises all over my body because I haven't done these things in such a long time. And it just makes me a little grateful as an MMA fan and just puts it into perspective what these guys have to go through. I mean, Demir is Mugulov, as well-rounded as he is, just shows you how much, you know, practice, determination, and years of his life he's put into this. And a lot of other people like Demir. I'm just using him because he's just off topic and came to mind. But all that, you know, tears, sweat, extra hours of cardio and, and pushing to not be able to go where you probably saw yourself going. And in my opinion, he could have been. And I love that. And I recommend to everyone that listens to do jujitsu and try it out or grapple or wrestle or do a martial art, karate, kickboxing, just what the fucking willpower it takes to do what you need to do at a high level. So when I come here and I talk about the fights, it gives me a little bit of perspective. Like, man, he should have dug deeper. He should have done this. He should have done that. And it, you could almost put yourself in that position like, damn, you know, I have, let's use AJ McKee as an example. We're about to talk about him. AJ McKee likes to grapple you, control you, and wear you out. It's a chess game. I have AJ McKee on me. I'm fucking tired. I have two minutes left in the round. I'm down two rounds. Like, you could easily just say, fuck it, give up. Like, dude, I have no energy left in the tank. But that mental fortitude that I learned from wrestling at a very young age no, fuck that. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I have it in me. I could find a way. And sometimes those fighters find a way, right? Leon Edwards, Kamaru Usman. I guarantee you Leon was in amazing shape, but he was fucking tired. There's a guy that he's been beat by already. There's so many things that could come into your mind and the, the coaching uh, that his coach had before the round. Like, dude, you, you know, the Rocky moment, the whole spill, it just fucking gives me the goosebumps. It's epic. And he found a way. He dug deep. He put everything he had in that kick, and it fucking paid off. So it's just cool to be able to relate. And jiu-jitsu is a big part of MMA. You see people, MMA jiu-jitsu is a little different than gi jiu-jitsu, what I'm doing as well. But point being is now I just have that fresh perspective of what it takes, and I can speak to it a little bit more. And I'll try to you know implicate that into when we break down fights more and more. And as the show evolves, once I rebrand, hopefully we could have more people in and we could talk really deep about fights. I'm hoping to get some fighters on and, and get their perspective, but it's just fucking awesome, man. And, um, jujitsu is beating me up a little bit. I'm going through the, you know, I'm in like two a days in the summer heat of football practice days, just trying to get ramped up, but it gives me a fresh perspective. And that's the whole reason I wanted to do it. So I could one, be healthier. I think it's fun to go through the belt ranks, uh, and have the knowledge, but just be better at being able to break the shit down know the submissions because there's just it's evolved a long time since I did some no gi after high school, which was uh, many years ago. But fuck that fresh perspective and just knowing what it takes because sometimes I'm rolling and I'm not competing for anything. I don't have a goal, but you know I have two minutes left. This guy's here. I'm like, oh whatever, man. I have nothing left of the tank. Do what you got to do, and maybe I'll, I'll find you make a quick mistake where I could sweep you or reverse you, so on and so forth. 
long rant on that, but fuck, dude, it's awesome. And as big of a fan I am, if you guys are as big of a fan, I just challenge you to give it a shot, sign up, do a month, you know, maybe get a discount or some free trials and just push your, put yourself in the shoes of these fighters because this is one of the hardest things that someone could do is to like be an Olympian athlete, be a UFC champion. And it's the best of the best in the entire fucking world. So I just hate seeing things like Demiris Mugulov and these guys that have left, you know, TJ Dillashaw obviously did steroids and had a bunch of injuries, but like we're getting these prime years taken away. And that's why I cannot fucking wait to see John Jones come back because at the highest level, you know, go down as potentially the goat. We've missed some of the best years. And I know the hard work he's putting in and is put in and it just, it, you just hate to see it. Um, on the heels of the James Krause situation, Jeff Molina suspended because he is not willing to abandon his coach. I've seen rumors that maybe he had some insider betting things going on and maybe that's the case, but Jeff Molina, pretty high, high level prospect, Again, hate to see it. Hopefully that situation gets figured out and, and there's no um, black cards on the you know whole situation with, with James and his and his fighters. Probably one of the more you know clickbaity viral um, announcements is that Jake Paul signs with the PFL, not to box to be an MMA fighter, and he challenges Nate Diaz in a boxing and MMA aff- uh, affair. And he is also a part owner with some uh, percentage of ownership in the PFL. So he's going to now, probably because he can't get opponents that aren't 50-plus looking for a payday, come into the PFL, challenge himself, try to learn MMA in a short amount of time. He posted a video of him throwing his first leg kicks, practicing on kicking. And, you know, he's a, a young person in a very good physical shape, and I'm sure he could figure these things out. And I'm sure Nate Diaz might be open to the idea here, but I'm interested to see how this plays out because the, the whole point of what I think Jake's trying to do is is um, a- allow an opportunity for fighters to have more of a, a you know voice for higher pay, better benefits, unionization, whatever it is. Um, and I, I'm interested to see how this whole PFL situation plays out. Obviously, he's a part owner in it, and he can kind of say fuck you to... to, to Dana, if that needs to be said, because on the heels of the new year, TMZ, you know, sons of bitches, man, they're everywhere. In today's world, you cannot fuck up, especially if you are a person of relevance with any kind of money anywhere you're at. He's in Cabo, I think maybe Cancun or Cabo, you know, having a good time, him and his wife throwing down some drinks, shit goes wrong. She slaps him, he slaps back. And uh, he just made a, or had his press conference about it. Doesn't seem like there's going to be any ramification for him. He said his penalty, uh, his, uh, you know, slap in the wrist is that he has to live in the world that we live today. And, you know, maybe some people won't take him as seriously. He'll lack credibility and he'll just be known as that guy that, that slapped his wife or potentially slaps his wife. And I do not agree with this at all. I don't think no matter what situation especially a man that's that pig should be slapping a woman, especially your wife. And, you know, again, alcohol is involved. Dumb things can happen. It's just not okay. And I think in the in today's world, um, I don't know where people, you know, have the muscle fibers in their vein to do that. Um, and as much as people want to make this a joke, it's just not okay. It's not okay. 
Um, I don't think you should be able to slap anybody unless you're in a, a mixed martial arts, right? If I'm at the club and I'm fucking drinking and a guy slaps me, I should not be slapping him, let alone a woman. So as fucked up as the situation is, you know, I, the big thing I try to do on my podcast is just not talk about the political bullshit. And uh, in today's world, you could get canceled. People can do things. They could clip your shit, make you go viral for no reason, thinking you said something that you didn't, um, taking things out of context. Um, there was a Skip Bayless tweet about the whole DeMar Hamlin thing. You know, I'm not sure what his intentions were. I, I do not agree with his tweet, but you do things like that. You're going to put yourself in a bad situation. So I try to avoid anything that has a, a ton of turbulence there. I do not agree with the Dana White situation, but this is a huge situation because he cuts fighters that has a situation. I read something today. Some guy had sexually or not sexually abused domestically, um, violated his girlfriend twice. So they automatically cut fighters. So it's just like, where are we in the hierarchy? If some, someone of a lower stature does that, they're immediately gone. But Dana White does it. You know, not a lot of the big companies really say anything about it. Um, he is not in the public press and media like an athlete would be. And he, he just gets to continue his day job uh, and be part of the UFC, which is a major, major sport that's televised in major, major networks, and it's just like nothing happens. So um, I'm sure there's going to be some fallout there. There's going to be – this isn't going to just blow over overnight. This is going to be talked about for a long time. So like I said, it's been a crazy start to 2023, a lot of crazy shit around the world of MMA. In the boxing world, Earl Spence Jr. and Keith Thurman is in the works in, uh, for a, a fight in April. I really enjoy Earl Spence. I enjoy Keith Thurman. I think that'd be a fun stylistic matchup. I don't talk about boxing a lot. If I'm talking about fights, it's because I think it's worth you spending your time and tuning in. This is a fight. If that is booked in April, it's worth tuning into. And maybe you could get a little bit more into boxing as I try to. Uh, just like Bellator, I keep trying, I keep trying. Uh, PFL, and it's just usually not quite the level of things that I would want to invest my time in, but I'm trying, and I'm trying to inform you guys on what to tune into. That could be a good one. Probably one of the more popular Bellator fighters, AJ McKee, extended by Bellator. Uh, very good news for them. I think this is a guy that has potential to compete at a high level in the UFC, um, and he's young, and he is going to stay in Bellator. A few days later, Scott Coker today on the MMA Hour announces an eight-man lightweight Grand Prix for $1 million. The eight contestants are Umar the champion, Nurmagomedov, AJ McKee, Benson Henderson, Patricky Pitbull, Alexander Shabli, Mansoor Barnui. I have no idea who that is or how to announce his name. I apologize. Tofik Musayev, I do know him. He's legit. I watched him in uh, Tacoma. And Sydney Outlaw. This will begin March 10th in San Jose. The two fights that have been booked is the champion Umar Nurmagomedov against Benson Henderson. What a first round of the lightweight Grand Prix that is. And Tofik Musayev versus Shabli, Alexander Shabli, um, to, to kick off the first round. So Bellator 292. In San Jose, March 10th, beginning the eight-man lightweight Grand Prix, and hopefully it works out better than their light heavyweight Grand Prix, where a lot of fighters pulled out due to injuries and, and, and never really worked out. 
So they will attempt their shot at this again, some PFL-esque things, and a new way to just kind of mix and match things to make viewers interested. I'll be tuning in, but hopefully the quality of fights improves so that I keep tuning in. Uh, Gervonta Davis fought his tune-up fight for Ryan Garcia even after the whole situation with his girlfriend. He defeated Hector Garcia via TKO. Um, I did watch the fight. You know, boxing's a lot of antics. He came out in this big truck in the tank, blah, blah, blah. It was an okay fight here and there. Um, it was a TKO finish, but at the end of the round, the fighter didn't come back for the next round. Um, definitely a tune-up fight. He did his thing. That Ryan Garcia, Gervonta Davis fight's going to be fun, though. These guys are in their primes. It's like if we had, I don't think these guys are Pacquiao and Mayweather, but two of the best in their sport fighting in their primes. I think that's fantastic. You know, a lot of times in boxing, they avoid those fights, management, promotion, whatever it is that's, that's making that happen, and they fight way later when they're past their primes. We get to see these guys. You know, I won't quite believe it till it happens, but supposedly it's going to happen, and I can't wait, and we're going to talk about it, and y'all better tune in. And then we had Bellator versus Risen. I love the concept. I do not watch Risen. I am not that familiar with their fighters. And I wanted to get a measuring stick as a guy that's not well-versed of, okay, how does Risen compete? I think one championship probably has better quality of fighters. Um, so I was just interested to see where, where they compete towards Bellator, who besides the UFC, I would say, is probably the best level of competition. Well, we got the answer. On the main card, Bellator swept Risen 5-0. and this happened early in the morning as it was overseas. They showcased it on TV. I looked at the results. I did not watch the actual televised event as I already knew the results. It kind of takes away a lot of the fun. And um, the, the fights were all decisions, so I wasn't going to waste my time. Um, AJ McKee making the big headlines, walking in the ring with a $100,000 samurai outfit. As badass as that was, I'm surprised he paid $100,000. He must have known that his contract was coming up and he was about to get the, the bag. Um, but lots of swag in doing so. He defeated Roberto D'Souza via unanimous decision. Again, if AJ McKee wants to claim he can be the guy that he says he can be and can beat UFC fighters, you can't let every fight go to a decision, especially a risen fighter. Uh, Patricio Frieri defeated Kleber Koiki Erbst via unanimous decision. Kyoji Horaguchi defeated Hiramasa Ogakubo via unanimous decision. Uh, Kyoji, uh, uh, definitely a veteran. Patricio, we all know him. Uh, Juan Archuleta defeated Su Chul Kim via split decision. And then Gazi Rabaninov defeated Koji Takeda via unanimous decision. So Bellator claiming their stakes. I love the posters. I loved the concept, though. I would love to see more of this and for these promotions to really compete and try to bring in viewers uh, versus the UFC. I think they need to have more of this, more trades, more cross-promotion. Uh, I'm all for it, even though I did not tune in. And then we had the Fury Pro Grappling 6. You know, I'm in jiu-jitsu. I'm trying to watch some videos, learn up a little bit. I'm not dedicated to be going into competitions and winning championships or anything like that. I'm doing it more for the podcast, health, skill. It's just good for you. 
Um, but I like to level up if I'm going to do it. I want to be good at it. And uh, I was super hyped about this. A lot of UFC people, you know, the main rule set, uh, no, mostly submission grappling with no leg locks. They don't want to hurt the fighters. So the headliner, pretty awesome. We get to see Jillian Robertson, who is a grappling animal. Again, grappling in the sense of non-MMA is quite different, especially when you could open up grappling exchanges with the threat of striking or being worried about striking and you have gloves and, and the whole nine. Well, she got to take on Rose Name Yunus, who is my favorite, probably woman UFC fighter. She is fucking amazing. And I think she will definitely have the title again one day. So I wanted to see how she can compete. Well, uh, Jillian defeated her in less than a minute. Um, not much to really say about the performance. Uh, the, the thing that stuck out to me was Rose kind of usually is, you know, in her head and can be awkward. But she was hella awkward on the mic afterwards. She just doesn't seem like herself. She seems to have lost her confidence. And I know that she works with Pat Barry. Pat Barry fought on here in short notice. We'll talk about that. Um, she needs to have some other outside help, I feel like. Maybe a sports psychologist or something. But she doesn't seem like herself. And I'm really interested to see, you know, when she has her next fight book, what level of quality of opponent she is. Because she loses another one, man. It, it might be tough for her. And I, I'm not betting on that by any means because she's way too talented. And I think she is better than Waylay, you know, she's beaten her twice. And I think that she, I mean, the Carla fight, nothing really happened, but she was, you know, she's better than Carla. She's better than anyone in that division. And, um, you know, she, again, you, you know, someone that puts all the work in, she has the athletic ability. I want to see it come to fruition. Why not? Right. And, uh, it's going to be interesting because that was just really awkward. Uh, Chase Hooper defeating the veteran Clay Guida which was weird because they talked about no leg locks. It seemed like Clay was confused because Chase ended up uh, winning via a calf slicer, but obviously that was allowed. Clay seemed weird about it. It was kind of a weird situation, but a good notch on the belt for Chase Hooper, the very young Enumclaw local defeating a veteran like Clay Guida that's done everything, anything, everywhere against everyone. And what a stud, Joe Pfeiffer. Be like Joe! Defeats Arik, your boy, Anders, the unanimous decision. Uh, he controlled most of the fight. He brought the fight to Anders. He out-cardioed Anders. He did the whole thing. Um, I'm really excited to see uh, what Joe could do in the UFC because he looked really good in this in this performance. And another res uh, heavy wrestling-based fighter, Andre Petrowski, defeating OSP via unanimous decision. And although OSP hung in there and he looked good, Andre was just relentless and he really kind of like wrestle grappled him. It wasn't a lot of jujitsu heavy stuff with looking for submissions. It was more top control, just kind of contain OSP, tire him out. It was good enough for the decision. Um, I wanted to see him be a little bit more aggressive, but OSP can be a problem and he definitely hung in there. Uh, Pat Sabatini defeated Alex Caceres. Very impressive display by him. It seemed like slight work. Uh, another wrestling heavy guy. And, and Caceres is a high-level BJJ um, um, athlete, so so good win for him. Uh, Mike Mallett and Nick Galante, they seemed impressive in their wins. Mike beat Trevin Giles. Uh, Nick defeated Philip Rowe. And this was probably the most drama. Richie Lewis defeating Andrew Kokel via unanimous decision. 
just wrestled him. It looked like a guy who doesn't know a lot of BJJ was just, again, very Andre Petrovsky-esque, top control, controlling most of the bout, not putting himself to get caught in their guard, get submitted, not looking for any submissions. Um, but it wasn't by the performance that was the drama. He was calling another guy out in the crowd. I, I don't remember who it is. I think he's a Bellator fighter. Uh, Richie Lewis, I believe, is like Titan FC or the LFA. I'm not quite into the big boy promotions yet. You know, he's talking his talk, talking ish. Uh, I'm sure we'll see Richie Lewis in a promotion sometime soon and uh, excited to see it. Uh, but, you know, the the high-level collegiate wrestler won with his collegiate wrestling ability. And then, like I said, Pat Berry took a fight on short, short notice. Uh, he took on John Pillow. He was defeated via unanimous decision. I'm sure Pat had not been training to get in that kind of shape. He looked to be out of shape. Uh, short notice bout, like I said, the mental fortitude it takes and the, just the conditioning that you have to be in is pretty gnarly for these types of things. And, you know, it's his first competition in a long time. At least he was game for it. It always feels good just to get in there, compete. Um, and uh, it was cool to see. And then Christos Giagos got a unanimous decision win as well. Fun event. I like to see these with the UFC people. And sometimes you can learn a lot about their well-roundedness and their ability. Like, Joe Pfeiffer, man. Be like Joe. And Chase Hooper, he's, he's nasty with it. But yeah, that's that's kind of the past two weeks in MMA. Welcome to 2023. We got UFC Fight Night Vegas 67 this week. We're back. And a lot of things have happened. A lot of fights you know, being changed. The main event, including back-to-back Sean Strickland main events. Um, some fights that we won't break down that are happening. 8-1 uh, Carlos Hernandez is fighting at flyweight. Uh, definitely something I'll, I'll tune into, see if it's worth bringing up, but won't break it down. A lot of these fighters, very, very green. A lot of UFC debuts are, you know, barely from Dana White Contender Series in. Mateusz Rebecki, he's 16-1. and one. He is fighting at lightweight. Abdul Razak Al-Hassan is fighting. He, he, you know, he's a UFC veteran. Isaac Dulgarian is out against Daniel Argetta. So Nick Aguirre's in short notice. Uh, I'm glad Daniel Argetta gets to stay on there. He was an ultimate fighter contestant, very young guy, wrestling background. Excited to see how he shows out. But we are going to start in the prelims. We get Charles Energy Johnson, 31 years old with a 12 and 3 record, taking on Jimmy the Brick Flick, 32 years old with a 16 and 5 record. And this is a fun flyweight showdown. Two veterans. Two men looking to make a name for themselves while they're in their primes. Flick 32, Energy 31, and uh, I think this is going to be a fun one. I think uh, the winner here you know, can do some damage in the flyweight division. Charles is on a one-fight winning streak. He is 1-1 one one in the UFC. Five of his 12 wins are via knockout, three via submission. So eight of his 12 fights via finish. He has a three-inch leg reach advantage, and he is an LFA alum. Now, Jimmy's on a four-fight winning streak. He is 2-0 in the UFC. He is a Dana White Contender Series LFA XFL King of the Cage and Bellator alum. 14 of his 16 wins are via submission. Four of his five losses via knockout. I think this is going to be a fun fight. I think Charles is more well-rounded. I think he'll have a good amount of success on his feet. For that reason, I'm taking energy. I'll put him on a parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. 
Ready for some new bets. Start 2023, new year, new bag. <laughs> um, we have Javid the Snow Leopard Basharat, 27 years old with a pristine 13-0 record, taking on Metus Bakoa Mend- uh, Mendonka, 23 years old with a 1-0 record. So some young studs going at it. Javid looked amazing in his Dana White Contender Series debut. His brother is in the sport as well. Both very good uh, prospects. I really liked Basharat's well-rounded ability, his striking. He has some impressive UFC wins early in his career. Uh, So it should be a fun one. Mostly tuning in to watch Basharat. Uh, Javid turns out of Extreme Couture. He is undefeated on a 13-fight winning streak. Obviously, a Dana White Contender Series alum, 3-0 in the UFC, and six of his 13 wins are via submission, five via knockout, so 11 of his 13 fights via finish. Matus, though, he trains out a shoot box. That means he's a dog. He's undefeated on a 10-fight winning streak. Four of his 10 wins are via submission, three via knockout, so seven of 10 via finish. He is also a Dana White Contender Series alum. Little DWCS versus DWCS. Now, I do think this will be a fun prospect matchup. I like how active and experienced Basharat is. For that reason, we putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Well, I got to hydrate here. All right. And... Then we head to the main card. Guess what? New week of fights, a new Nurmagomedov. They're taking over. We got Umar Nurmagomedov, 26 years old, with a 15-0 record and the number 11 next to his name, taking on Rayoni Barcelos, 35 years old, with a 17-3 record. I want to make sure this is Umar. I fucking... So many Nurmagomedovs. I believe this is Umar. I think I said Umar and Bellator on accident. Fucking Nurmagomedovs, man. This is Umar. And then the one in Bellator is... is it? It's not Usman. No, it is Usman. So Usman's, Bellator, Umar, UFC. All right, we got it. Um, But, lost my spot. My apologies. Yeah, so he's taking on Rayoni Barcelos, 35 years old with a 17-3 and record. And it's not just another Nurmagomedov. It's an undefeated one. He's kicking off the main card. And I think this is his toughest test yet in the UFC this one should be a doozy because Barcelos is a wild savage. Um, and he's coming for the top 15 rankings, stealing Umar's spot. Again, an amazing, amazingly deep bantamweight division. Uh, so we really get to see where Umar stacks up. Umar is a southpaw fighter. He trains out of Eagles MMA and AKA. He w- was the Eagle Fighting Championship champion with three successful title defenses. He, is a, he was a Sambo champion in 2015. He's undefeated on a 15-fight winning streak. Seven of his 15 wins are via submission, 
and he is 3-0 in the UFC. He is also a PFL alum. Rayoni has a wrestling and BJJ background. He has a black belt in BJJ. He is a former RFA champion with three successful title defenses. He was a Brazilian wrestling champion, an IBJJF world champion, three times. He's on a one-fight winning streak. Eight of his 17 wins are via knockout. He beat Saeed Nurmagomedov in 2019, so he's already got a Nurmagomedov on his resume. And I just think Rayoni's really going to push the limits of Umar here. I don't know if there's a way to victory unless he gets the knockout. And it's hard to bet against the undefeated Nurmagomedov. Umar's young. He's not even in his prime. He's 26. Rayoni is right on the edge of his prime at 35. I think that's the big difference here. Umar, I think, is going to push the pace, look to grapple, look to tire him out, but he's got to be careful. Rayoni, though, he's a savage. He's got a lot of gas left in the tank, so it's hard to pick this one. But I do think he's going to have to finish via knockout. I'm avoiding this on the parlay, but I'm taking Umar Nurmagomedov. It's hard to bet against that family. Then we have two badass women squaring up. We got Ketlin Phenomeno Vieta, 31 years old, with a 13-2 record and the number two next to her name, taking on Raquel Rocky Pennington, 34 years old, with a 14-9 record and the number five next to her name, a top five showdown this Saturday. And this is a very, very big fight in the women's bantamweight division. I think this has title implications. I always want to say implementation because I talk about that in my job all the time. Implications. Um, Especially the fact that Amanda has cleaned out both divisions. There's not a lot of fresh meat here. They could do the Pena rematch. But if she's going to fight in the bantamweight division, Raquel or Vieira wins. It's new blood. It makes sense. Now, Ketlin is a black belt in BJJ and judo. She's on a two-fight winning streak. And Raquel has the most bouts in UFC women's bantamweight division history with 15. She has the most total fight time in the division, over three hours and 37 minutes. The most decision wins and bouts, eight decision wins, 12 bouts. She's on a four-fight winning streak, and she is an ultimate fighter and Invicta alum. She's an OG that's kind of revitalized herself. I think this is going to be a close fight. I think both women are pretty well-rounded. I think they're equally talented when it comes to striking, when it comes to grappling. Ketlin is a few years younger. (coughs) And although she did win her last fight, that was straight robbery in my opinion. I thought Holly, Holly Holm did enough. I didn't think she looked amazing in that fight either. Holly's a little bit older. She still has a ton of potential. And am I saying Raquel Pennington is on Holly home level right now? Probably not, but I think it's not a a huge drop-off. I like the experience, the momentum Raquel has. It just feels right. I think she's going to find a way. She found a way in her last fight. Um, But maybe Vieira has a little bit of fire under her after the Holly home fight. I'm going to take... I'm going to take Raquel, but I am not putting this on a parlay. I would definitely think this will probably go to decision. And then we have some guys 
that could throw some serious smoke. I love this guy. We got Puna Healy Puna Soriano. <coughs> 30 years old with a 9-2 and two record. Taking on Roman Kapalov. 31 years old with a 9-2 and two record. Now, stylistically, this should be box office. Grab your popcorn. Grab your seltzers. Grab your sodas. You add in the fact, not only do these guys throw smoke, but at the time and spot in their careers, I think this is a must win for both fighters. This is set up to be a show, and I can't wait. Puna, he trains out of Extreme Couture. He has a brown belt in judo, a D3 wrestling background at a Wartburg College. He is on a one-fight winning streak. He is 4-2 in the UFC. He is a PFL Dana White Contender Series and Titan FC alum, and six of his nine wins are via knockout. He looks like a mini rock. Roman is on a one-fight winning streak as well. Eight of his nine wins are via knockout. Again, box office. Get ready. Fight of the night potential here. Both men's are in their both men are in their primes. They've kind of had up and down UFC careers this far, and they need to get momentum back on their side. If they want a chance to not just be a bottom of the division type of guy, that's what they have to win this fight. That's why I'm saying it's must win. If you ever want a chance at the rankings at 30 years old, you can't go on another losing streak unless you expect to fight four or five times a year to get back on track. And the law of averages are against you. You want to start the new year off with the bang. I like the power that both men possess, but I think Puna just has more of that it factor. He could get a little reckless, try to knock you out early and tire himself out, so I would be a little worried of that. But I'm going to go with Puna, and I am putting him on my parlay. I just decided, you know, as long as everyone makes weight, we marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on, we got Dan, 50K Ige. 31 years old with a 15-6 and six record and the number 13 next to his name. Taking on Damon Action Jackson. 34 years old with a 22-4-1 record. Ige's had a tough stretch, man. Since 2021, he's, he's gone 1-3, and three, three straight losses, although it's against some fucking serious competition. So this is really his get-back affair. I think we're in... For Dan Ige getting a 50K after this show out. Dan trains, Dan trains out of Extreme Couture. He has a black belt in BJJ, a brown belt in Judo. He also has a D3 wrestling background out of Wartburg. Uh, Puna Soriano actually credits Dan Ige for making a move to, to MMA from college. He's an RFA Legacy FC, Titan FC, and Dana White Contender Series alum. And he's on a three-fight losing streak and hasn't won since March of 2021. Damon has a purple belt in BJJ. He's well-rounded with his background. He's been in Bellator, King of the Cage, Legacy FC, PFA, and the LFA. He's on a four-fight winning streak. He is 5-1 since his return to the UFC. 13 of his 22 wins are via submission. Three of his four losses are via knockout. And he has a three and a half inch leg reach advantage. I think that could come into play. You know, he's been in the UFC, went to other promotions, has come back. He's on a roll. So these guys are definitely on a different momentum track. But 50K Ige is just a fucking stud. 
He's fighting a very well-rounded Damon Jackson. Definitely, obviously, has some mission threats. But I just don't see how he wins this fight. Ige is in his prime. He has to, he has to smell blood in the water. He knows his UFC career is not in a great spot. Not a lot of guys can survive four losses, five losses in a row. For that K, uh, for that reason, I'm taking 50K Ige. We putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down. And we getting that bread. Moving on. The short notice main event affair. We have Nasardine Amavov. 27 years old with a 12-3 and record and the number 12 next to his name. Taking on Sean Strickland, 31 years old with a 17-8 and record and the number 7 next to his name. Now, like I said, I was really, really excited to see Kevin Gastelum return to the octagon. But Sean Strickland's out here saving the day. Short notice catchweight affair against a young stud in Amavov. I don't really understand why Sean Strickland's taking this, especially after a couple of losses. Now you're, it's like high risk, not very high reward. The way Sean Strickland operates, though, he don't give a fuck. He just wants to not have an L on his last affair, right? He doesn't want any more L's on his record. He wants to get a win back in his mouth. He wants to eat a win Jameis Winston style. And uh, I think the way this will work is I'm assuming Sean is doing his best to make the way, get in shape. With the amount of time has that's working against him, I doubt he's going to want to push the pace for five rounds. I think he's going to be a little bit more aggressive like he has been in the past, and that should make for a fucking fun fight. Now, Sean trains at a syndicate MMA. He has a brown belt in BJJ. He is a King of the Cage alum and former champion with five successful title defenses. He was the 2020 Comeback Fighter of the Year after his motorcycle accident. He's on a two-fight losing streak. He went one and two last year in 2022, and 10 of his 25 wins are via knockout. Nasser Dean is an orthodox fighter. He trains out of the MMA factory. He's on a three-fight winning streak, and he is four and one in the UFC. To me, this is all about Sean wanting to stay ready, get, get back in the win column, no matter what it fucking takes. He's, he's willing to gamble. He is fighting a young stud, like I said before, and I think it's going to be a challenge. I think he is going to come in aggressive. He's either going to knock him out or he's going to lose the fight. I'm going to go with the crazy man Strickland here, but I am not putting him on a parlay. I'm excited for the short notice main event. I think there's uh, some good potential here. This isn't an amazingly deep, stacked fight night card. There was a lot of disruption to the card coming into the year the jeff neal fight off the change in the main event some change in the prelims uh but you know your boys tuning in those are the fights i think that are worth tuning into and then not this saturday but next saturday we're back to pay-per-view affairs ufc 283 headlined by glover Teixeira and jamal hill plus the other title fight the fourth round matchup Devison. Figueredo, Brandon Moreno. I'm excited. I'll be in Laramie, Wyoming, catching Wyoming basketball in the Dome of Doom. Um, Graham EK hasn't been healthy. I know you guys probably don't care about Wyoming basketball. Hoping he can play, but I wanted to go see one of the best potential Wyoming teams do some work. Quick trip to Laramie, see some friends. 
uh, that I have not seen in quite some time. I'm going to make sure they watch some UFC. But we're not done with the show. We're going to talk a little bit about who I had predicted as each um, weight class's champion from last year and who I am predicting for this year. The only real thing on the table for me is that the average person who is a champion fights twice a year. So that's what I'm going off is, is two assumptive fights. For the flyweight division, I had picked Brandon Moreno as the champion coming into this year. That obviously isn't the case. Picking for, 20, for 2024, I am going to go with Brandon Moreno again. I think the babyface assassin beats Figgy in this fourth affair. Although he does not have James Krause, he's had multiple different coaches throughout each fight. It might potentially help to change up his style a little bit. Uh, but he's younger, he's got age on his side, and he has a wealth of experience and knowledge on, on his side. I think he beats Figgy, gets a fight with Panto Pantoja, beats Pantoja, He's a champion going into 2024. Bantamweight. What a tough division this one is to pick, especially with the recent news. I had 2022 uh, coming into this year. I had TJ Dillashaw as the champion. That obviously was not the case. Even if he had uh, won his last fight, I don't think he would have had a shot here. I mean, obviously injuries aside, it's just not the case. So took a big miss there. I was you know, pretty close on Moreno. Um, going into the next year, I am going to go with the Sugar Show, Sean O'Malley. If I, you know, I try not to be biased in a lot of these, but I am probably biased here. Um, the way I see it is it's going to be Henry Cejudo and Sean O'Malley with the Aljo news. Because of that, Sean is getting the best crack at Cejudo, in my opinion, after all that layoff. It's his first fight, and he probably has not been preparing for Sean. He's been pre preparing for Aljo. The biggest thing is Sean's got to be ready for grappling heavy affairs and if he can manage that. But if he can beat Henry Cejudo, the most accoladed UFC athlete of all time, Triple C, he is probably going to fight Aljo. And I, I do think that he, he could beat Aljo. So for that reason, I'm taking the Sugar Show, rolling into 2024, taking over the world. Going into featherweight, I have Volkanovski. Volkanovski may only fight one time. Um, obviously, Yair's fighting Josh Emmett. Let's say the probably the most likely situation is Islam beats Volk. So then he comes and he fights once uh, the winner of Yair and Emmett. And the way Yair and Emmett is, is they don't fight that often. So I, I wouldn't imagine that Volk has enough time to turn around. Volk's an active fighter. He likes to stay active. There is potentially fights again, but who else in the featherweight division is going to beat... Volkanovski. I just don't see it happening. I had Volk there, so so I had the right check mark. We're one for three coming into the year. In lightweight, I had Justin Gaethje. I, I guess I thought Gaethje was going to beat Charles and then fight someone else and, and keep it. I was obviously quite off. Uh, we have Islam Makachev um, as the champion now, and I don't think anyone's going to beat him. The only person I think has a chance is Volkanovski, um, but... I just don't know if Volkanovski could hang with that grappling. I know he's training hard and doing his best, but we're talking about Islam fucking Makachev. So I'm going to stick with Makachev, the, the cowardly way out going into next year. For Walter Waite, I had Kamaro Usman. Freak incident, shit happens. I was really close on that one. I think the Nigerian nightmare claims his throne, 
defends the title. I'm going with the Nigerian Nightmare rolling into 2024. I know real crazy picks here, guys. Uh, but sometimes there's just levels to this game. Um, Usman, Volkanovski, there's just levels, man. There are levels above. And I'm kind of rolling with the same thing in middleweight. In middleweight, I thought Bobby Knuckles would get his revenge against Izzy, uh, you know, keep the throne. I, I was wrong there. I'm going with Izzy rolling into the next year, though. I think he gets two fights with Pieta. I think he wins the next one, wins the last one. The UFC is going to sell the shit out of this. People are going to consume it. I'm going to consume it. Um, after that last fight, I will take as many as those fights as we can get. But I think Izzy beats Pieta twice this year, claims his throne, um, and, and keeps on moving on. Ends that chapter of his life. At light heavyweight, things are uh, definitely messy here. And we don't really know when Yuri Prashaka is going to return. I had picked Yuri Prashaka as the, the, the champion coming in. I feel like I was pretty close there. Shoulder injury aside, it could, it could be him. Um, I'm going to go with Jamal Hill rolling into next year. I think Jamal Hill knocks Glover out. Glover's just been through so many wars, done so many things. He could definitely beat Jamal. Um, but at the age that Glover is, even if he beats Jamal, I don't know if he could keep winning. I mean, he's just fucking old. Uh, so I'm going to go with Jamal Hill. I'm spicing it up a little bit on this one. I think Jamal Hill knocks out Glover. Does he fight Jerry? I don't know by the end of the year, so I'm saying he gets another fight and, and keeps it. And then in heavyweight, I, I mean, this may not seem risky, but I think it's risky because there's just so much unknown. We still don't know about Ngannou. Stipe hasn't fought in how long. And John Jones hasn't made his debut that we all thought would have come a long time ago. But I picked 2022 champion as John Jones, and I'm keeping it going into next year. Um, I don't think anyone could beat John Jones. Um... And the way that this is going, he might get one fight. So uh, I'm going with John Jones. Because it seems like the UFC is at least going to give him that fight. And if he doesn't fight this whole year, I'm just giving up on it. In the women's side of things, I did not pick any women's fighters last year, but it's it's pretty boring. I'm going to go with Zong Weilei in straw weight. Unless Rose Namajunas does get a fight that pole vaults her back to fighting against Weilei or the champion. Um, and I just don't think that'll happen. Um, I don't think they want to make... Rose the champion again or give her a shot against Weilei. So I'm going to stick with Zong Weilei. Again, if Rose does get a fight Zong, though, or fight for the title, I'm going with Rose. Uh, flyweight, I'm going the bullet, Valentina Shevchenko. I don't think anybody on the planet could beat her at flyweight. I think she will fight Nunez this year. That'll make things interesting. And the bantamweight and featherweight. Featherweight doesn't really matter. They're just keeping that because Nunez is champ champ. But I'm keeping Nunez as champ champ. Whether she fights Pena, whether she fights New Blood, I think she's got one more good year in her. I think her, Nunez, um, Glover, Kamaru, maybe Volk's got some more time. But I think they all have one more good year left. I think Moreno could be around for quite some time. You know, maybe he goes in and out of title affairs. Same with Volkanovski. They're still young. Islam. Uh, but Kamaru, I think his reign's getting close to ending. I, I'm worried about his knees, his, his shape, uh, just physically, um, all the damage he's taken. And um, John Jones is only going to be around for so much longer. And Valentina Nunez, the women are getting better coming in at such young ages. You have the Aaron Blanchfields of the world. The talent's getting good. But lots to look forward to this year in MMA. Some awesome cards out of Vegas. Rio de Janeiro, Perth. We're in the O2. Can't wait to see what the second half of the year 
is, and I really hope it's the Sugar Show and Triple C and John Jones versus Nganu in March in Vegas because your boys go on floor seats making that ish happen. Um, either way, episode 114, I'll keep you updated on the official date of the podcast relaunching. We'll be uh, you know, relaunching with the business side of things too and getting that pumped up. Uh, but until I, I further the ball on that a little bit, don't want to announce the, the, the final dates and uh, loophole myself. But really excited. Let's keep this ish going. See you guys next week.